0: All right, well, if you've got your Bibles, let me encourage you. Look, somebody done not play so hard, they threw they pick in the floor. How about that right there? Uh-huh. I'm, I can't help it, y'all. Y'all know I got ADD. I, just, I get distracted real easy. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter number 1. We're going to start our journey here. And we're going to be talking about living with biblical clarity. Living with biblical clarity. We're starting in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 will be the text today. And uh, I hope you've got my email. If you're not on my email list, let me encourage you to get on the church email. Uh, I sent out uh, kind of an overview uh, of, uh, of the book of Acts. And I, just a little introductory thing so I could get right into the text today. And uh, so I hope that you'll subscribe to that email. So how would I do that? Call the church. We'll be glad to get you on that email list. I'd love to have you uh, getting those updates uh, from me. Uh, now, when I was 20 years old, uh, I worked for... Uh, Gregerson's. His name was, was Peter Gregerson. He was a well-known guy in Gadsden. He had a couple of grocery stores. He actually had a grocery store over in Georgia, too, over in Carrollton, uh, Georgia, as well. Uh, has anybody ever heard of Gregerson's groceries? Anybody in here besides? Okay, good. Oh, There's oh, Alabama folks over here. They definitely heard of Gregerson's. Well, I worked for Peter Gregerson, and I was his lawn care guy, and uh, I, I can remember the first day on the job when I was sitting down to interview with the boss, and uh, he said, uh, look, this is you can take care of the lawns here around here won't be no problem and uh, just be a nice easy uh, job. I was excited. It's full time. Had benefits. Man, I was just tickled to death. I was a college kid and uh, was excited to be able to have a job. And uh, I got with the guy that was training me. Now, the guy that was training me had just learned the trade of refrigeration. And he was moving out of the lawn care maintenance department, lawn care, and moving into the uh, refrigeration department. And uh, he said, did the boss talk to you? And I said, yeah, he sure did. He said, did he tell you that this was lawn care? I said, yeah, he sure did. He said, well, there's more to it than that. I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you, you will be taking care of lawns. You, you will be taking care of the two big stores that we have here in town. You'll be taking care of those lawns. Uh, but you'll also be taking care of the manager's lawns and also the supervisor's lawns. Uh, and then the, the, he's got a daughter. You're going to take care of her lawn. Uh, and then you'll take care of his lawn. I said, well, that ain't no problem. I mean, look, being a lawn care specialist is not—that's not rocket science. I mean, you issued me a truck, you issued me a trailer. I got a—I got a, a riding mower on that trailer. I got a weed whacker on that trailer. I got a chainsaw on that uh, trailer. I got gas. I got everything I need. It ain't gonna be no problem. I can do this full time. I can do it. Drive around cutting grass. He said, "No, there's more to it than that." I said, well, "What do you mean?" He says, "Well, he says not only you gonna cut grass, you also you gotta you gotta trim the trees. You see, the owner he's a little bit eccentric, and he likes his trees to be he likes to be able to walk up under them. So any tree that's lower than his head, you gotta cut that down. You gotta maintain it." I said, "That ain't no problem." He says, "He's got about 400 trees." (laughs) I said, "That's all right. I got 40 hours. I can do it. I got my chainsaw. I know how to sharpen it. It ain't gonna be no issue." He said, "That ain't all." I said, "What else?" He says, "He wants you to clean his pool." I said, "Do what?" He said, "Yeah, you got to clean his pool." He said, "You need to check the pH in the pool. You need to make sure that that's safe uh, for the grandkids to swim in, and it, you just gotta you gotta take care of the pool." I said, "That ain't no problem. I can do that. I can t- I can be a pool pool guy. No problem. Excited to have a job." He said, "That ain't all." <laughs> I said, "Well, what else?" He said, "You got to take care of his animals." I said, "Well, that ain't nothing I could do." He said, "No, no, you don't understand." He says he's got a couple of cats, a couple of dogs, he's got two geese, and he's got every species of duck you can imagine. He's got peacocks, he's got uh, golden pheasants. He's got all these exotic birds, and you're responsible to make sure none of them dies." I said, "Well, I thought I was supposed to cut grass." <laughs> he said, "I told you there's more to it." Now I saw somebody post online the other day that you really hadn't lived. Until you've been chased by a rooster. Has anybody been chased by a rooster? All right, that's living. I'm going to tell you something what's even better, Sandy. Being chased by a goose. You ever been chased by a goose? Good. Not a living. Those things can honk you while they're honking at you. I'm telling you what's the truth. It beats all i ever seen. This is the problem that I had with my position that I just acquired, acquired when I was 20 years old. The purpose of my job did not match the mission of my job. The purpose of my job did not match the mission of my job. The purpose was to cut grass. That's what I was supposed to do, Kenzie. I was supposed to cut the grass. But the mission of my job was to make sure none of the animals died. That wasn't in the paperwork. To God be the glory, no animals died under my care. But I did get bit a couple of times. The point that I want to make with this opening illustration is just simply this the church's purpose must never ever ever be wavering from its mission we have a purpose here at Mazel Baptist Church and our purpose statement is this we are to love God love others and serve the world that's our purpose statement that purpose statement reflects the Great Commission the Great Commission has been given to us by the Lord to make disciples When you read the Great Commission, it says teach the nations. That word teach the nations is where we get the idea of making a disciple, making a follower of Jesus Christ as the Lord wins, as the Lord saves that individual, and they come along being a faithful follower of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are to make disciples. In Acts, we see the mission, how we do that. That's what the book of Acts is all about, is how we do that. And in the first 11 verses... Luke, who wrote this wonderful letter, uh, is talking to Theophilus, which we know may have been some nice uh, Roman guy and had had a big uh, place there and was well known. But that's not as important as the fact of the matter is we see the mission of the church right here in Acts chapter one, verses one through eleven. And what I want us to do today is I want us to look at this passage of scripture and look at this text, and I really want us to contemplate the fact is our purpose statement. Lining up with our mission. If we say that we're loving God, loving others, serving the world. And let's just take it to home now. Let's go ahead and give us the application. Are we fulfilling that mission as God has called us to do? Because it should not be just the staff, the, the pastor and the staff's responsibility or the deacon's to do the work of the ministry. We're all supposed to cooperate together and do the work of the ministry. It doesn't say, pastors, you're the ones to make disciples. No, it, he's talking to all of us. The commission that God gave us in regards to making disciples was to every one of us. And what's great about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he does not let us do this alone. He gives us the very help that we need in order to accomplish the task of our mission. So what is our mission? If you found your place and you're able to stand, look at Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. If you're able to stand, let's honor the reading of God's word if you're able to do that. And notice what the scripture says. The former treaty have I made. Now that word treaty there means document or letter. It is pointing back to the gospel of Luke. Luke wrote this letter. And if you want a little bit more information, I hope you'll get my email and read that uh, because I go into a little bit more detail there. He says, O Theophilus, uh, of all that Jesus began to both to do and to teach. He said, so in that letter that I wrote, that first letter I wrote, that gospel, you see what Jesus both began to do and what he began to teach. Until the day in which he was taken up after that through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he, uh, which he ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou this time restore the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in all Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You may be seated. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. We find here in Acts chapter 1 the mission of the church. If we're going to live with biblical clarity, we must understand what the Bible says is our mission. Our mission, brothers and sisters... Is to make disciples. And as the mission that God has given us. He gives us the insight and the equipment that we need. To fulfill this mission. To where our purpose statement. Loving God. Loving others. Serving the world. Rings true. Not just here in Maysville. But it rings true in Jefferson, it rings true in Gillsville, it rings true in Lula, it rings true in Carnesville, it rings true all over the state of Georgia, all over the United States, and all over the world. Uh, This morning we have people watching via the internet and they're watching literally from all over the world. The gospel is going out from this place. The word of God is moving out from this place. And you are hearing the word of God being preached to you. And it's going into that camera. And my voice is going into that camera. And it's traveling in uh, whatever space out there there is. And going all over the world where people are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fulfilling the mission that God has given us in loving God, loving others, and serving the world. Now, let me show you three things about this passage of Scripture that I hope will encourage you today and challenge us to make sure we're doing the work of the ministry, that our purpose statement is in line with the mission that God has set forth for us. Number one, the first thing I want you to notice, what Luke does is he gives a remembered promise. A remembered promise. In verses 1 through 5, we find a remembered promise. He's going to talk about, Luke is, about some of the promises that God made. Two in particular that he wants to remind them of so that they can have their faith encouraged to equip them with the boldness that's coming. What do you mean? Number one, the first thing we see here is the promise of the risen Lord. Notice what the scripture says again. He says, The former treaties that I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that... He, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now let me stop right there. Here we find... The risen Jesus. He's alive. He's well. He kept his promise. He said he was going to die on the cross. He said he was going to rise again three days later. He did that, and the Bible is filled full of examples where people saw the risen Lord. And by the way, did you know the greatest element in this life, the greatest example in this world, is a changed life. That's how you know Jesus is alive. How can a person be in the depths of despair, teetering on the totter of suicide, and yet be changed in an instant by believing Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit of God? He always keeps his promise. Jesus promises to save to the uttermost. Dear friends, there was a man in that 930 service, after it was all said and done, came up and said, you know what, I'd like one of those books you wrote. I said, you would? He said, yeah. He gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ today. The power of a changed life. Remembering the promise of the resurrection. By the way, it's the resurrection that changes everything. I mean, you think about it. When you think about the world religions that exist today, you think about uh, uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and, and Islam and all of these that have leaders that are dead. But when it comes to Christianity, and I mean true biblical Christianity, we serve a risen Savior. What else would convince somebody who's a nobody to tell everybody that Jesus changed them? All right, uh, I'm full. I'm so full today. I'm full. Mm. So, why aren't you standing behind the pulpit? I'm so full, I'd tear it up. (laughs) Number two, not only does he want them to remember the promise of a risen Jesus, but he also wants them to remember the promise of a real kingdom. Look at what he says in verse 3. Here's what he says there in, the, in verses 3 through 5. He goes on to say again, To whom he also showed himself by, by uh, alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. He says, Being seen of them forty days and seeking things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of... Of the Father, which he saith, "Ye have heard of me." For John baptized you with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, uh, not many days from hence. Here we find here in this text him again talking about. These things pertaining to the kingdom of God. These things that that we need to be about. He mentions it again there in verse number 3. About the kingdom of God. A real kingdom. He reminds them that Jesus always keeps his promise. And if he promised salvation. If he promised eternity. If he promised in Genesis 3.15. That there would be a way for you to get to heaven. And reconnect with God. After sin destroyed the relationship between the two. Thanks be unto God. He fulfilled his promise. And now, and now, we have a risen Jesus, and we have a real kingdom. Bless God, this world is not my home. I may reside over there at 4296 Waterworks Road, but I'm here to tell you when the Lord calls, I'm out of that place. I'm going home. I'm going to be with Jesus. Dear friend, let me ask you this. Where do you live? I didn't ask you where you reside. I asked you where you live. I don't know about you, but as a born-again child of God, I live in the heavenlies. God said, Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you, that where I am, there you may be also. Do you know Jesus wants you? He wants you. He will always keep his promise. He wants you, he wants you to be saved, he wants you to know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. He wants you to know for sure that if you uh, lay down this body today, you can go be with him. So how do you know that for sure, preacher? Because I hear these preachers rat and rave and talk about that. How do you know? 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13. The scripture is very plain, says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I'm telling you what, you, should, you can be so saved, you can swing over hell on a dry corn stalk. He tells us here in the Word of God, he says, look here. I want you to remember the promises. There is a risen Jesus. And there's a real kingdom. Number two, the second thing he does is he shows a, a, a revelation that's proclaimed. A revelation proclaimed in verses 6 through 8. He says, in regards to living with biblical clarity, in regards to this issue of the church's mission, and what this mission truly is, he points to a revelation proclaimed in verses 6, 7, and 8. Uh, We find there in verses uh, 6 and 7, he's referring here to the fact where they're saying, well, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He says, "No, no, no, that's not the revelation I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on the revelation Is that I change lives. Jesus Christ changes lives. That's the revelation. And they misunderstood and they were a bit curious and I'm sure they were greatly perplexed in thinking about this issue of wanting the kingdom to to be established right then. And Jesus says, no, that's not the kingdom I want you to think about. I want you to think about the kingdom of God and when you think about the kingdom of God, I want you to know I'm going to give you everything that you need to know. He proclaims this revelation and says, you are going to do it. It's going to be your responsibility. Jesus Christ did not not take the gospel and give it to animals. And say okay I want you to take this He didn't do that He gave it to you and I To human beings He loved us enough and loved us enough to say You know what I know I don't need you But I want you And I want to use you To take the gospel around the world And he tells us right here in this text What a beautiful picture As he says I'm going to give you everything That you need to do this It's found in verse number 8 As a matter of fact, when you look at verse number 8, he tells us there, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. When did you get the Holy Ghost, preacher? Bless God when I got saved. When I gave my heart to Jesus Christ as a 14-year-old boy, the Holy Spirit of God was deposited within me, and I'm telling you, I hadn't got over it yet. Is it hot in here or is it just me? (laughs) Hang on just a second, y'all. got to catch my breath and wipe my brow. You know, I I didn't preach in Five weeks when I was on uh, sabbatical and today's the first day I'm preaching three times I could do five today I'm here to tell. You. bless God I could do five I'm telling you what that's the truth he tells us here I'm gonna give you everything that you need this revelation proclaimed he said number one I'm gonna give you the power you see what that's? he says after that the power will come upon you Thanks be unto God for the power of God. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fountain, know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He tells us here in the text, he says, I'm going to give you power. P- several years ago, let me tell you this. About three years ago, I got tickets. To the Southern Nationals. Have you ever been to the Southern Nationals? Oh, man. I'd never been. The Southern Nationals, for those of you who don't know what that is, is the drag race that they have right up here, not too far from the church, out there at the Atlanta Dragway. Got some tickets, and I took my boys. It was in May. Hot. Man, it was hot. Hotter than a deep post stove. It was hot that day. And we sat down that day, and we watched them cars. Roar. Vroom. And the boys were with me. And they got hungry. And they turned to me and they said, Daddy, we're hungry. We're ready to go. I knew on the program that I had that the next race coming up, the very next race, was the nitro cars. And I said, boys, I said, i tell you what. Let's watch just this one race with these different cars, these nitro cars. You remember that, John? Let's watch this one race. And then we'll go get us something to eat. He said, okay. And so we're sitting there. And them nitro cars pulled up to the line. When that green light, when it began to glow, and they punched it, they, you know what I'm talking about? You could feel it in your chest. It hit you so hard. I thought my heart was gonna blow clear out my back. I looked over there and my kids were covering themselves up, like (laughs) trying to hold their ears like this right here, trying to cover. Now, I didn't know this at the time. I mean, I'd heard some stuff, but I'd never experienced it until that day. But did you know that the natural byproduct of nitrous in a vehicle is formaldehyde? The stuff you embalm bodies with. And when that formaldehyde hits the air, it's kind of heavy. It just kind of floats. It doesn't dissipate real quickly. And when that formaldehyde cloud kind of moves on over where you're at, it's like cutting an onion. You just start crying. You can't help yourself. You just start crying. I ain't never seen anything like it. I'm looking around. There's grown men. Tears running down their cheek. I'm crying. They're crying. The boys are crying. They look at me and say, this is awesome. Let's stay one more round. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What made it awesome? Power. The power. Hey. Here go. What makes your salvation awesome? The power. power. What makes that salvation, what makes it awesome? It's the power. And bless God, we go all through this room. And say, what makes salvation awesome is the power that God gives us with it. Oh, brothers and sisters, I hope you'll hear my heart. Now, I know some of you think you're a lying preacher. Yeah, I promise you I ain't lying. I am by my very nature an introvert. I am. Say, so, well, why, why are you so loud? Why do you spit and holler and stomp because I got some power in me that can't help me get out? I promise you, if I kept my mouth shut, I'd blow up. <laughs> he tells us here in the Word of God, he says, look, I'm going to give you the power. And that power didn't come from me. It came from God. It came yes. from the power of the Holy Spirit of God. So what, in, what, what do you need in order to go out business? Just a willing a willing heart saved by the grace of God. So you ever get nervous when you step on, on, that, uh, on that porch and you knock on the door? I sure do. But you know what overcomes that? The power of the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, he gives us the purpose. Look at that, what he says there. He gives us the purpose. He says, not only will you receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, he says, but you shall be witnesses unto me. You're my witnesses. Uh, If you've got your pens, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, I'd underline that. Because that's the purpose. The purpose is for you to be a witness. The the purpose is for me to be a witness. For us to be a witness. Uh, Grant, uh, you working in the back, son? Okay, thank you. You You're on the lights, aren't you? Bless God you're burning your daddy up up here. <laughs> Grant got him a new job. He's a working man now. I went and picked him up the other, last week. We picked him up. And I was bringing him home. We went to Backway. Back by the outlets and all. Came to Backway. And we come, we come across so King, King Road uh, over there by B. Wilson. Come across that way. Well, as we're coming along that way, it's just him and I, just the two of us. And we come along that way, and we notice that there's a ruckus happening in the parking lot of one of those little businesses over there. And I mean, it's something bad. I mean, somebody's mad at somebody. I don't know what happened, but it wasn't good. And there was finger pointing, and and there was this right here, and there was gestures, and there was this and that, and there was this this right here. And uh, I mean, it sure enough was getting heated. Grant turns to me and says, Daddy, slow down. we got to watch this. I said, bless God, slow down, nothing. We're getting through here. And about that time, that guy done dropped it into drive and scratched off through rocks all over the place. And I said, well, I don't want to get shot today, son. We got to get out of here. And we, and Daddy, you got to slow down. I want to see what's happening. You know why that boy wanted to watch what was happening? Because he's got two brothers at home. And those two brothers want to know tell us what you saw. Oh, listen, I saw some more of a ruckus. Someone was about to get beat up. They were scratching off his hat. He was a witness to what was going on. And I'm going to be honest with you. When you witness something, you can't help but want to tell somebody else about it. And Jesus said, he said, you will be my witnesses. That's why I can't shut up. I witnessed something. Sandy, I witnessed what God did in my life. And not just my life. I have witnessed what God's done in others' lives. And we cannot help but talk about the things by which we witness. And the scripture tells us here in the word of God. He says, there's this revelation that I'm proclaiming. And that is you're going to get power from the Holy Spirit. And the purpose is to be the witness. And here's the plan. Watch this. Here's the plan. Verse 8. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts. There's the plan. The plan. Is to go out and share the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Now a lot of people. I've had church members look at that. And they'd say you know what. Pastor said, I just don't understand why in the world. We'd want to go halfway around the world. When there's so many needs. In the United States. I agree with that. There's a lot of needs in the United States. But I'm going to tell you the reason why we go. Is Jesus said so. The God. He did not say do this or that or the other. He said, Do it all. Hey. He says, You are to be a witness in Jerusalem. Where's your Jerusalem? Your Jerusalem, dear friend, is where you live. Uh, my neighbor is here today, and I'm his neighbor. I'm so grateful for Barry Sims, Mr. Barry, Miss Della Sims, neighbors. Got the greatest neighbors in the world. But that's not our only neighbors. We also got the Woodalls lived up just up the road from us. So there's three of us right there. Our jobs, the three of us, the three of us as a family, our job is to work our Jerusalem and we are to be witnesses in our Jerusalem. But that's not only our Jerusalem. Jesus has placed Maysville Baptist Church right here in this area of Maysville. We have a Jerusalem here that we work together collectively as a church. So not only do I want to see people come to know Jesus Christ in my community, that is where I live... But I also want to see people come to Jesus Christ in the surrounding community here, our Jerusalem. But then that's not all. He also says that we need to go out to our uh, Jerusalem area, uh, if you would, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. We're to go out that way. Well, what's out that way? That is the state of Georgia and this nation. We are to go and share across this nation what God is doing and impacting individuals for the kingdom of God. And then not just that, but also the uttermost parts of the. Man, I'm so excited about our college kids. Our college kids are getting ready. They're going to be going to Nepal this year in 2020. Our students are going to be going to the Dominican Republic in 2020. And I want to warn you. I just want to tell you, church, you're going, to, you're going to get letters. There'll be letters coming out. And you're going to be overwhelmed. And you'll say, man, I desire to help everybody, but I can't help everybody. Don't beat yourself up. I think oftentimes, listen, we mess up when we overlook that prayer partner aspect of those letters. Could I just say this? The greatest thing that you can do is pray for those kids that have thought about you and sent you that letter. Say, well, no, they sent me that letter because they know I got a little money. Well, bless God, you'd have sent the same letter to the same person too. And if you got a little money, let go of a little money so a student can go tell somebody about Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, the point is just simply this. Don't be tied down with the monotony of letters that might come across when you've got young people asking you to pray for them and asking you to be their prayer partner. That's the greatest thing. God is always going to supply the financial need, but they need prayer partners. Don't overlook that. Don't, don't send me an email or call me up on the phone and say, i got 25 letters. Unless you're going to call and say, praise God, i got 25 letters. Then I'll take every call you, you give me. That would be wonderful. And every email. Because we are called to be about the business of the gospel. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. And then watch this. He closes this out and gives us a third thing I want to point out. And it's just simply this. The return portrayed. Or a return portrayed. He's going to talk about the return of Jesus Christ. In verses 9 through 11. In giving us the mission. He says the mission is for us to go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts. And then he closes this out. With with the return or a return. Portrayed in verses 9, 10, and 11. Look at what he says there in verse number 9. He says first of all. And when he had spoken these things. While they beheld. He was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. I'd underline that word beheld. You see that there? You know what that means? That word beheld means to lock your eyes on something and to follow it with tunnel vision. To follow it with tunnel vision. What we see here in the text is the visual. He gives us the visual. The visual is they had tunnel vision in looking up. And they're looking up watching Jesus get in the air. But they don't stop there they got such tunnel vision that they don't see the angels that have come. And we see a gentle rebuke as the angels give the vision. What is the vision? Look at what the scripture says. Let's continue the journey. He says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing, there it is again, up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He gives the vision. The vision is, just as you're gazing, seeing him go up, he will come back down. Listen to me, Christian friend. I hope this encourages you. I didn't see him go up, but I will see him when he comes down. That verse right there is for you and I. It's for us. It's to encourage you to be about the Lord's business. He is coming again. And as He comes again, we see not only the vision and the visual, but we also notice in verse number 11, the victory. The victory is the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back personally. He's coming back visually. He's coming back physically. He will return. And remember the very first point that Luke pointed out is He's a God that keeps His promise. He's coming again. Our responsibility as a church is to love a lost and dying world. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're going to love lost people, uh, you're going to love people that aren't like you. They're not like you. They're different. But one thing about different people is different people all need the same Jesus. If we're going to live with biblical clarity, we must understand our purpose. What's our purpose? Loving God, loving others, serving the world. What's our mission? How are we going to fulfill that purpose? We go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts. That's the mission of our church. So if we're going to live with biblical clarity and we're going to apply this sermon to our lives then we need to understand that when we leave those back doors right there and we go to our cars, we're going into the mission field. You're going into the mission field. And you're going to encounter people at lunch that need to hear about Jesus. You're going to encounter people at Walmart that need to hear about Jesus. Bless God, you're going to come into people at Marshall's. Can I get a witness? Thank God we finally got a Marshall who need Jesus. You're going to go and find all kinds of people that need Jesus. And if we don't tell them, who will? God has commissioned us as the church to live with biblical clarity, to love a lost and dying world. Yesterday we had uh, Brother Ed Lindor's funeral. And uh, the family, before they came in here, met in the choir room. And as the family was in the choir room, Miss Bobby came in, and those of you who know Miss Bobby, she's suffering from Alzheimer's, and she's got it very, very bad. She can't remember anything from one minute to the next. And she came in, and she was asking, uh, "And Sandy, thank you for taking care such good care of her." She kept asking, "Where's, where's Ed? where's Ed? Where's Ed? Where's Ed?" And Ed was in here, and they would tell her, "Ed's in the worship center," and he was here, and uh, he's with Jesus. Actually, is where Ed is. and And she just had a hard time getting her mind around it. And then she heard the piano playing. And she said, I know that hymn. I said, oh, you know that hymn, Miss Bobby? She said, yeah, why don't you sing it for me? I said, you don't want me singing. I said, i tell you what, Miss Bobby, why don't you sing it? And the family just erupted. They said, no, you don't want her singing. I said, sounds like she sings like I sing. No, Miss Bobby, you don't want Miss Bobby singing. Uh, and Well, you don't want the preacher to sing. The preacher's going to preach. I said, but i tell you what, I will sing you a song, Miss Bobby. I'll sing you a song. And I'm going to take you way back to Bible school. Here's your song, Miss Bobby. Jesus loves me, this I know. Well, then she started singing with me. For the Bible tells me so. Well, she was singing, I was singing. The whole family decided, well, we all just sing. So we all started singing. Little ones to him belong. Uh, I, don't, I forgot how the song goes. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are strong. Here's the part I want to get to. This is the good part. What's the next phrase of that chorus? Yes, Jesus loves Yes, Jesus loves me. Okay. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Miss Bobby didn't sing that. It's not what she sang. She looked me dead in the eye knowing that those words were, Yes, Jesus loves me. And she said this. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. For the Bible tells me so. Bless God, I was ready to say amen and just head to the car. That was it. (laughs) It. Because it's true, isn't it, Sandy? To be affected by the gospel to such a capacity that even when you lose your mind, you still know That Jesus loves you. That is what the gospel is all about. Jesus loves you. Let's bow for prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today in this room. Or maybe you're watching by way of uh, the internet, your television. Maybe you're listening to us on a podcast. Maybe you're just driving down the road and you're hearing us there on 95.1. They're in commerce. And maybe the Lord has spoken to your heart. And you understood today that Jesus loves you. Dear brothers, sisters, lost friend. Why don't you lay aside the pride that you've been living with all your days. And accept the love of Jesus. And give your heart to him. The only way I know to do that. Is to pray a prayer of faith. And if you're here today and you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, would you pray to the Lord and say something like this? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Savior. And this morning, I want to thank you for loving me. You love me enough to keep your promise. To die on the cross for my sin. And to rise up again on the third day. To have victory over death. And I ask you to cleanse my heart from my sin. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. I will live for you. In Jesus name. Now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning. And maybe to the best of your ability, the best of your knowledge, the best that you knew how. You prayed a prayer something like that and you asked Jesus to save you. You are my brother or my sister in Jesus. And I am not going to walk down this aisle and grab you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to drag you to the altar. That's That's not what we do around here. The Bible says that those that receive Christ are not ashamed of Him because they clearly understand how much He loves them. So if you're here today and you prayed that and you meant that with all your heart and you're not ashamed as a testimony to the grace of God on your life, would you just slip your hand up and then put it right back down and say, I did that today, preacher. I asked Jesus to save my soul. I did that today. Just slip it up and just slip right back down. I'm not ashamed to say it. Thank you. I want to ask you to do something. If you're listening by way of radio or if you're watching by way of the internet, if you prayed and asked Jesus to save you, either today or tomorrow, would you go online to our website and would you click on that email to email the pastor? And would you write me and tell me that you got saved? Would you tell me that you received Jesus as your Savior? I wrote a book a couple years ago, and I want to mail it to you for free. I want you to have it. I I want to help you grow in your faith. Would you contact me in some way so that I can send you that free gift?